What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Episode 2 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast. I'm Drew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us at Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, we begin our 2021 season preview with Nebraska's non-conference opponents while sipping on a couple of brews from Bottle Rocket Brewing in Seward, Nebraska. I'm Drew. And I'm thirsty. That's Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. We did it. We made it to the mountaintop that nobody thought we would, Drew. We made it to episode two. Yeah. Uh, my mom owes me five bucks. So <laughs> oh, nice. Take that, mom. She lost that bet. No, we made it. Yeah. Episode two. We're excited to be here, right? Like, yeah. Um, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Great. Beer, well, and, beer and football. Let's get to it. So let's start with what we are drinking. So, Drew, tell us, what are we drinking right now? All right. Uh, I hold in my hand a blueberry bomb. It's an American wheat from Bottle Rocket Brewing. They're located out of Seward, Nebraska. First impressions are that this is a, you know, it's a really delightful wheat beer. The blueberry is, um, there's a little bit of tartness to it, but it's not overwhelming. Do you ever, when when you're having a glass of water, do you ever just drop in like a little lemon wedge or like a little cucumber, you know, just for like a little little flavor boost? Yeah, when Something it's available. Different. Yeah, yeah. That's what this kind of reminds me of, sure. is that um, the blueberry comes through um, without being overwhelming, but it's just like the right, the right touch to take something that's refreshing and thirst quenching and then take it to that next level of like, Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a nice flavor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of wheat beers. Uh, I think they're incredibly drinkable and this one's no exception. It reminds me a little bit of an Arnold Palmer, not necessarily in flavor, but in the kind of experience you have drinking one, it's really clean. You get the, the iced tea in an, in an Arnold Palmer followed by the tartness of the lemon here. You're going to get the wheat beer with a little tartness from the blueberry but nothing to where they clash, just to where they complement, and then it leaves your palate really refreshed. So this is something that I could definitely sit back and drink a good amount of these. Yep, yep. It's an outdoor drinker. I think it's perfect for, for walking around in July. Yeah. You're out, oh, yeah. out working in the yard or whatever you're doing. So, Drew, tell me, what do you know about Bottle Rocket Brewing? Um, I know that they make beer. Yes. Um, one of their beers is Blueberry Bomb. Perfect. And they're from Seward. Good. I know a lot more than that because it was my job to find out more than That's that. Good. I'm glad it wasn't my job. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Bottle Rocket Brewing Company. So Bottle Rocket Brewing Company opened their doors in Seward, Nebraska in October of 2015. They were founded by Gerald Hopp, Jason Berry, and brewmaster Ryan Koch. 
Now, the brewery is actually housed in the town square of Seward, Nebraska, in a former grain cleaning and processing mill. The, bil- the building was built in the 1940s, so it's got some history to it as well. Um, Seward, Nebraska is famous for their 4th of July celebration that began in 1868 in the same town square that that brewery still occupies today. And Bottle Rocket draws much of their inspiration for naming their beers from well-known fireworks used to celebrate the 4th. And these beers include M80 Pale Ale, Winter Sparkler Winter Warmer, and Blueberry Bomb Wheat, which we are currently drinking. So within the past year, Bottle Rocket has begun distributing outside of their brewery. You can find their beers in supermarkets and liquor stores across the state of Nebraska. And I've come across six different beers in the wild, including all the ones we're sampling today. So you can find these guys uh, widely available in Nebraska. I found them at supermarkets, liquor stores. If they've got a good craft beer section, there's a good chance you're going to find Bottle Rocket there. Excellent. Yeah. And if you see it, pick it up. It's it's uh, the ones that I've had have been have been excellent, you know, so uh, especially the M80. I'm a big yeah. fan of that pale ale. So I've got some interesting facts for you about the Seward Fourth of July celebration that that they get their name from uh, or that they kind of use to tie into the community. Awesome. So my first fact for you is the apple pie eating contest and bubblegum chewing contest were first established in 1971 and are still popular today. Okay, wait, what's a bubblegum chewing contest? I'm going to guess they probably like chew a bunch of gum and then see who can blow the biggest, biggest bubble. Biggest bubble. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That or it's the number of pieces you chew. Like, I don't know, do you like... 30 pieces of, yeah. of chewing gum in your mouth. How many choking hazards can you fit in your mouth at well, one time? Well, before we start talking about choking hazards, oh, no. there's a second half to this fact. Okay. During the 70s, there was also a hot dog eating contest and a greased pole climbing, <laughs> but both of those events were dropped due to requests from parents. So my question for you is, what the hell happened, Seward? Why can't you have a hot dog eating contest and a greased pole climbing contest? Right, like the, all, the whole town, like all the parents in town had to come to some conclusion. Yeah, that this was not a no longer like there was a town hall where they were like, Barb, your son ruined the hot dog eating contest for all of us. And Madge, your husband ruined the pole climbing competition for all of us. It's Uh, done. That was it. That was it. Oh, man. I wish I want to know what happened there. I really do, too, because it's like, what is more Americana than seeing who can eat the most hot dogs on the 4th of July? Yeah. Or climb the, climb the greased pole Climbing the quickest. So that's one way to get rid of your waste oil is grease up a pole and see so you can climb it the fastest. <laughs> I want to know. All right. Well, let's, if anybody, if we can get anybody from Seward to just that yeah. knows the history, what happened? And if it's the same answer for both, even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the uh, next, the next piece of trivia I have for you is both endearing um, and then also kind of a little sad. Um, so the U.S. president and first lady have been invited every year to the 4th of July celebration. It's a beautiful event. It celebrates uh, Americana, and it's a nonpartisan invitation to the president and the first lady. Yeah, Um, that's nice. Yeah, they've yet to attend ever. (laughs) Since 1868. Since 1868. They've asked every year. Yeah. Is their invitation just getting lost in the mail, like, every year? I I don't know. Oh man, well good good for them though, like not giving up, right? Right, plugging in what 150 yeah. years of of invites. But if there if there was a president who would be like, yes, I want to go to a Seward, Nebraska. Do they have ice cream cones? It's it's probably Joe. That's it. If if Bottle Rocket could brew, um, like an ice cream beer, Ooh. or do like an ice cream float, yeah, maybe that would be enough to get him. Or what if someone on staff is a listener to our podcast and they're like, well, now, Mr. President, you have to go. Yeah. 
I think that would lock it in. Yeah. That would seal the deal. So anyways, oh. if you're a staffer at the White House, um, we would love to have the president and Dr. Biden uh, visit for the 4th of July celebration. Yeah, Stewart. like break that 150 yeah. year streak. Yeah. Please, like they would just make their, their, it would make their century. And you know what? There'd probably be a damn good beer brewed in their honor. I bet there would be. Yeah. Yeah. So my last fact for you is the first Seward 4th of July in 1868 was celebrated the following way. The women sewed an American flag and the men dug a well. <laughs> the men just got to work. No holidays, right? Right. Not that snow, sewing's not work, but at least it was like related well, to that. I, like, I like to think about my, my holiday weekends and that tends to be when I get work done yeah. because the kids are usually off. Um, doing some fun activity. And so I finally have the time and it is kind of relaxing. You know, you get a chance to, to focus on getting a job done. You get the job done and like you feel the satisfaction afterwards. Then you get to kick back, enjoy a beer, watch some fireworks, watch some things blow up. Not the worst thing in the world. Enjoy your newly dug well. Yeah. And your freshly sewn flag. Right. You can, wow. Fly high and proud. Yeah. Yeah. Drink, you can drink your well water while you, while you look at, you know, the stars and stripes. That's it. What a beautiful way to celebrate America. So that's, yeah. that's my introduction to Bottle Rocket Brewing Company. Uh, they're a wonderful community-based brewery. Um, they're really focused on honoring the tradition of Seward, Nebraska, and that 4th of July celebration. And in fact, the first time they brewed this blueberry bomb was for that 4th of July celebration, and it sold out during that 4th of July weekend. So this is a very popular beer. Um, they've just recently started canning this. It was This was not in their first wave of distribution. This was in the, their second round. Um, and we're going to try the beers that are kind of in that second round of distribution where they they've gotten to canning a little bit more of their specialties. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that I'm glad they're doing that. I'm glad they're able to get more of their their product out there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So moving forward and for the next four episodes of this podcast, we are going to take some time to talk through Nebraska's 2021 schedule. And this isn't going to be a deep dive per se. We'll have more deep dives when we get to the game previews. But these are going to be just broad overviews talking about the teams. We're going to include some true or false trivia to see if we can trip one another up. Um, but this is going to be some great surface level knowledge for you heading into the, uh, the Nebraska season. The way it's going to break down is this episode, we're going to talk about our non-conference opponents. Next week, we're going to talk about our Big Ten East opponents. And then Big Ten West will be broken down into two parts the following two episodes after that. So that being said, Drew, take it away with Fordham. All right. On September 4th, 2021, Nebraska will hose excuse me, I mean host uh, the Rams of Fordham University for their first non-conference and home game of the 2021 season. Kickoff is set for 11 a.m., which leaves us enough time after the game to mow the lawn while nursing a same-day hangover. The broadcast is scheduled for Big Ten Network. A few things about the Rams. They are led by head coach Joe Conlon, who is in his fourth season at Fordham, He previously served as offensive coordinator for the Fighting Nerds of Yale. The Fordham Rams are coming off a 2-1 spring season in 2021 thanks to COVID, where they finished second in the North Division of the Patriot League. That all sounds made up. All those facts. Fordham Rams are coming off a 2-1 season in the North Division of the Patriot League. It sounds like a movie. Yep. Like one of those where they didn't secure NCAA rights, so they were like, we have to make up everything. Or it's like a it's like a little it's like a little league. It's like if your if your five year old is just getting into flag football. Right. Yeah, he plays for the Rams and they have three games. Yeah. Um, okay, so this matchup will be the first meeting between these two teams, but it's not Fordham's first time around with a Big Ten opponent. 
Fordham holds an 11-14-2 all-time record against current Big Ten schools, which includes an impressive win against Indiana and um, five unsurprising wins each against Purdue and Rutgers. So there you go. Good job, Fordham. Under Joe Conlon, Fordham holds an 8-18 and record through three seasons, um, but they have pulled off upsets against Temple and Army. Um, those came as recently as 2013 and 15. They, I think all the games that they played against Big Ten opponents, I think the most recent have been like the night since the 1940s. Yeah, it's been a minute sure. since they've um, headed this way. So should we dive into our true or false? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get to that. Got a good one for you. Okay, go all for right. it. You can go first. Okay, this is a true or false for the Fordham Rams. Ben. Yes. Everyone knows that the Los Angeles Rams are named after the Fordham Rams in honor of its storied sports history. But did you know Fordham adopted the Ram as its official mascot in 1893 thanks to an obscene fight song? Fordham fans cheered, One damn, two damn, three damn, Fordham. Later, the damn was changed to Ram so that the song would conform to the university's image. They are a private Jesuit school, after all, right? So, tell me, Ben, is that true or false, how the Rams acquired their mascot? Oh, man, I want that to be true so hard. I'm going to say true, because that's really... Is it false? It's true. No, it's true. Yeah, we all get what we want. Oh, man, the look on your face, I was like... I was like, did he just write a really clever backstory? No, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not as clever as um, 1893 Fordham fans who who came up with that chant. The school did. They changed the name because they didn't find it fitting with their university image. Um, but it originated against a uh, or during a game against the U.S. Military Academy. It was a huge hit, and uh, that's how the Fordham Rams came to be known. That is excellent. Yeah, that is a great fact. What a fun fact, man. Sitting back, I was I was really engaged in that story. I was so hoping it was true, so I'm glad it, it's true. Yeah, awesome. Well, there you go. But they do. So I guess touching on that, since we want to, since there's more we can talk about here with Fordham, um, and their their sports history is actually pretty incredible. Yeah, I spent I spent all of my time looking into that rather than actually like studying this this team. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got the winningest baseball program in Division One history. Nice, which is cool. Um, their football and basketball teams were both on the first TV broadcasts for that sport, which is kind of neat. And then they've got a ton of uh, just like super famous alumni. Fun facts. Fun facts. I've got one for you. Are you ready? Let's hear it. True okay. or false. Fordham lost the right to their preferred school color of magenta in a series of baseball games played against rival Harvard. Okay. Hang on. I So as I was doing my deep dive, I, I remember coming across yeah. this and there was something to it. But I can't remember what. I know that they played baseball, and I don't remember who won. But it didn't go as planned. Okay. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say true because I because I know that they played baseball against Harvard for colors. Okay. So I I, I fooled you. It's false. Dang it. Okay. Um, All right. But you're on the right track. So okay. um, here's here's the explanation, right? So it's false, but it's kind of a tricky false. It's one of those where a true oh. false where it's like, well, it did happen. Should have known. Fordham and Harvard squared off in a series of baseball games to decide who would get to be magenta, as that was a very popular color at the time, I guess. And Fordham won. Harvard, being a bunch of butthurt poindexters, refused the deal and kept magenta as their official color. So in order to dissociate with the dorks of Harvard, Fordham picked the far superior maroon they wear to this day. So Harvard just went back on their deal. What jerks. Yeah. What? It wasn't Fordham won, rightfully so, 
Yeah. And then Harvard was like, nah, we're going to keep it anyways. That's so messed up. That yeah. like goes against all like code of ethics. Like you, you, they won it on the diamond. End of story. Yeah. Oh, man. Screw so, Harvard. Yeah, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. a big fighting nerds of Yale fan now. Yeah, so, yeah. right? So good on Joe Conlon for making the right decision on which which Ivy League school to jump ship from and yeah. come to Fordham. Is yeah. Fordham Ivy League? They're not Ivy League. They're not. They're Patriot they're League. They're Patriot League, baby. <laughs> yeah, all Patriot. So uh, we won't do a deep dive into this game. Do you have any thoughts on this game as, to, as far as what you're going to see and then uh, what you think your pro- projection or prediction might be for the game? Yeah, I'd just like to see a, a tune-up game. I mean, as far as, like, Fordham goes, the I mean, the, the one player that kind of looked at was their quarterback. Um, he did he, he led the league in their Patriot League in completion percentage. I think he might have even set a single-season record. In, it granted three games, but it was over 70%. So, um, you know, he's got some accuracy there. So, like, I guess um, there's that going for them. But otherwise, I, like, this is just – it's an FCS opponent. Um, and I hopefully the players spend more time preparing for Fordham than I did. Yeah. I mean, but – because I don't want them to get embarrassed. Yeah, you can't overlook any game. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those games where Fordham is undersized. They're outmatched. Correct. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I predict a 49 to 10 win. Um, I had mine written down. Okay. Yeah. I had 56 to 10. So I actually okay. have an extra touchdown there. Okay. But I, I, I mean, I, I could see um, Fordham, you know, picking up a, a score or two against like some backups. Sure. Right. Late in the game. Or I mean, maybe there's a fluky play where they score, which fine. If we're working out the kinks. I'm seeing a early field goal and a late touchdown. Um, and it's going to be one of those kind of ones that make you angry if it was fantasy football, kind of garbage touchdown time. Um, yeah, or just a Husker fan who doesn't like to be scored on by FCS opponents right. in any situation. That's, that too. Which, so yeah. whatever the spread is, I think Nebraska covers. I, I think that it's whatever Vegas sees, that's that's going to be right because Nebraska should have this game with no issues. Absolutely. It's a it's a game where everybody comes out healthy, backups get plenty of playing time, and that's that's where you win. Yeah, I have a well-executed vanilla called game. Might bore some, but it's just what the doctor ordered, heading into a decent challenge in Buffalo and a serious test against Oklahoma. Cool. That's a nice write-up. Thank you. I did it myself. Oh, so it was time for us to crack open a new beer, so Drew and I moved on from the Blueberry Bomb, and now we are drinking what, Drew? It is called The Fourth. It is named after the 4th of July. Um, this is an American lager. It's actually America's premier lager. Um, according to the packaging, and it's actually like a great lager. Yeah, I when I crack open a lager, I don't expect anything, mm-hmm. right? Which is why I'm cracking open a lager. It's just to have a beer. Yeah. Um, but this has some great flavor to it. Yeah, I mean, just citrus. Like you get lemon right away. You get a little bit of maybe some malt, some hay, nothing mm-hmm. crazy, and then again, really fresh, really light. Really easy to drink. Yeah, yeah, and I and I noticed something on the can here, Ben. Yeah. Um. So they put their their ABV right and their IBUs on here, right? So uh-huh. this is a this is a beer dedicated to the Fourth of July. And yeah. look at that alcohol by volume is four point seven. Yeah. Which that's the British way of saying July Fourth. <laughs> that's so dumb. That's so brilliant. And then IBUs are twelve, the British way of saying twenty one. <laughs> Very smart on you, Bottle Rocket. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they. Uh, or seven twelve. That's July fourth, twenty twenty one. Well, cheers to that. Yeah, way to go. Cheers to to Bottle Rocket. No, this is a really nice lager. If you see this one, 
um, pick it up. This is a great like post lawn mowing beer. This is a great warm night beer. This is a great. It's a great podcast recording beer. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. I'm digging it. Yeah, I I'm think, very impressed. Yeah, cheers so, to digging that. Yes. So let's let's move into Buffalo and talk about the Buffalo game. Let's do it. So Nebraska will welcome the Buffalo Bulls of the University of Buffalo to Memorial Stadium on September 11th, 2021 for their second non-con and home game of the season. The game is scheduled for 2.30 on BTN, which means we'll watch the first quarter on Fox Business as the game before Nebraska undoubtedly goes into triple overtime. The Bulls are led by first-time head coach Maurice Linguist, who took over the Buffalo uh, team after spending 107 days as Michigan's co-defensive coordinator, answering the question, how much is too much Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> Sorry, that one got me. The Buffalo Bulls are coming off an impressive 2020 campaign where they finished 6-1, and one, won their division, and finished 25th in the coaches and AP poll. Unfortunately, with Lance Leopold taking the job at Kansas and more than a handful of starters following him to Lawrence, Buffalo may have a hard time reaching the same peak in 2021. September 11th will mark the first meeting between Nebraska and Buffalo, but not Buffalo's first go-around with the Big Ten. Uh, the Bulls stand at 1-7 against the Big Ten with their lone victory, a 2018 win over, say it with me, Rutgers. Rutgers. There you are, Drew. Uh, under Leipold, Buffalo was a disciplined and technically sound team. It'll be interesting to see how they identify under head coach Maurice Moe Linguist. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised to hear that Buffalo has a worse record against Big Ten opponents than Fordham. Yeah, isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah. But, hey, hopefully that, doesn't, that, that trend continues. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Um, so, are you ready for my true or false on Buffalo? Yeah, yeah, I okay. am. Okay. True or false, the pacemaker was invented at the University of Buffalo. <sighs> no false. I'm going to say Fordham. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> That'd be, be a good right? twist for you. <laughs> um, it is false. Okay. But there is some history to it around Buffalo. There had to be. Yeah. So Wilson Great Batch designed and developed the first implantable pacemaker in his barn in Buffalo in the 1950s. Now, I did a little more digging because when I first read in his barn, I was like, some guy just invented the pacemaker in his barn. Right. His workshop was in his barn and he was an engineer. That so explains it. wasn't it. just like a, you know, hey. Um, He's it, one of those barn engineers. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. It was first used on a 77-year-old man in April of 1960 at the Buffalo VA Hospital. Okay. Did the man did the man know that this was developed inside of a barn <laughs> before they stuck it in his body? Well, Wilson Greatbatch came to him and said, my barn's more of a workshop. Um, my, my final note for that is neither men are alive today. Oh. So the pacemaker, <laughs> pacemaker won't keep you alive forever, people. No, no. But uh, to be 77 in 1960 and have it, you know, have your heart replaced. Um you know, yeah, it's bound to happen that way. So there's a little history behind Buffalo on the pacemaker. The cool. pacemaker was invented in Buffalo. In Buffalo, just not at the prestigious university. Correct. Inside of a barn. No, it was okay. made in a barn. All right. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? Quiz me. Okay. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to see what I do right off the bat. I have, um, uh, I'm looking at, I can see your page. I can't see the information. It's oh, yeah, three yeah. paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up people. <laughs> Here we go. All right. The Buffalo Bulls. Okay. Everyone knows that James Bond coached the 1923 Buffalo Bulls football team to a 2-5-1 record. But did you know, Ben, James Bond would go on to meet author Ian Fleming while serving overseas in the military. Years later, when asked about the origin of his fictitious spy's name, Fleming said, 
I wanted Bond to be an extremely dull, uninteresting man. It struck me that this brief, unromantic, Anglo-Saxon, and yet very masculine name was just what I needed, and so a second James Bond was born. True or false, James Bond, the one we know, was named after the Buffalo Bulls coach, James Bond. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm going to say true. I want it to be true. I these are so well done. I want we them to be all true. We want these to be true. It's not true. It's is not it? true. Oh. I'm sorry. So there. Okay, but there's there's right there's more to this. Okay, so James Bond really was a, a football coach for Buffalo in 1923, and he went two five and one. It was his only year um, serving. Fleming really did say those those words about the name James Bond, but they were um, directed towards an American ornithologist named mm. James Bond. So yeah. yeah, Ian Fleming, big fan of bird watching. That's a good one. I believe, man, the way you set these up, is that your format? I, yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. my thoughts on Buffalo. Uh, just quick overview on Buffalo or, or quick thoughts. What do you What do you have? What do you think is going to happen in this game? Um, so, well, what I'm what I'm hoping happens is is that Buffalo has some trouble adjusting to the new coach and the new system because because I think it's going to be a completely different new system if you look at what uh, Linquist. Um, comes from in the past was his coordinators come from his offensive coordinator comes from James Madison where they ran an RPO spread style and uh, Buffalo's used to just having like a single back with uh, a lot of pole blocking the tight ends getting involved and and hitting like one or two wide receivers maybe in a game yeah right they're very they were very one-dimensional they were just great at executing very efficient it. at it yeah it was fun to watch once you caught on to what they were doing yeah um they're but, linemen excellent yeah. last year well, and that's and so that's going to be part of their problem though right it's like a lot of those guys are gone now um i think they're they're starting center transferred to kansas and he was a great great player um and then of course like all the coaches uh, most of them are gone too so yeah like i like i said i hope i hope that uh, buffalo is working out the kings and i hope that that helps nebraska with this game yeah. So as they're gearing up for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think you and I see eye to eye on that. Um, I, I'm really a big fan of 2020 Buffalo's offensive line and how athletic and how smart and how how um, disciplined. It's yes. so fun to watch. Um, and then their quarterback, uh, Van Trees, I think his name is. When yep, he, yep, and he's still here. Yeah, um, when he would air it out, he had a 62% completion percentage. I mean, he was accurate. He got the ball where it needed to go, and they didn't have to rely on him a lot. But that could change this year, and I think he's actually got the consistency – to move forward yeah he could uh mobility i think will probably be his biggest question sure. in that and then also he so jared patterson was his running back yeah went to the nfl right um antonio nunn was his his top wide receiver also went to the nfl and so that's going to be a question is is do they have enough playmakers around him um to to you know do anything special so that's going to be i think linquist's big big challenge on offense is finding those guys that fit his system sure. and that can that can star the way that the that Patterson and Nunn did. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, you know, Buffalo's got some great momentum heading into this season. Um they've got a new head coach. They've got a lot of guys who are going to be a next man up situation because we did, they did lose a lot of guys and said, almost said we. I mean, I'm pulling for Buffalo to have a great season because they were so fun to watch last year. I yeah. just want them to lose one game. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've got no like nothing against Buffalo. I'm actually kind of disappointed for them. Um yeah. that they're going through this, but at the same time, um I think I think Linquist has a lot of potential. He yeah. sounds like he's a great great recruiter, a, like a great guy to connect to these players. Sure. Hopefully he's brought in um enough experience around him that'll kind of that'll help him in in this uh step up for him yeah um and uh we'll see what he can do he's he's obviously he's got a program that is willing to buy into the right coach yeah so 
hopefully uh, for his sake, it's it's a success. It's just it starts after after he meets Nebraska. Yeah. So prediction wise, I see them going uh, Nebraska winning this one about thirty eight seventeen. Um, my score prediction was pretty close to yours. I'm at forty two to twenty. I think Buffalo's, like I said, they've got potential to to um, make something happen here. I don't I don't think that they're gonna um, put a big threat into us, but this non-con schedule is like a step up each time. Right. Right. It's and a, then a big, big step. It's a big step. Yeah. It's a big step on that, that third one there. But, um, but I, but again, it, I think it plays out just about the way that you would want it to, if you could choose how to line these games up. You guys, bottle rockets beer is so drinkable. We are absolutely enjoying these. We're moving on to our third of the episode. Um, and so we're going to crack those open for you and just to share the sound of, Happy beer opening. Yeah, that's a beautiful sound. It really is. It's more beautiful when you know there's a good beer coming up. Oh yeah, right behind it. Okay, all right. This is a this is a cool beer. Yeah, this is a really cool beer. Drew, tell us what we're drinking. So this is a golden stout. So stouts are normally dark, right? Yeah. You'd think like motor oil, um, but this is golden. So this is golden like a blonde, and generally like. When you're drinking a beer, like the visual aspect of it is is important to your perception and your taste. Yeah. So it's really, really weird to drink a golden stout, but in a good way. So this beer is really cool in that it's brewed with local coffee from JD's Coffee Shop in Seward. And it is rich. It is velvety. It is smooth. I mean, it is full of flavor. I mean, there is no question that this is a coffee stout. Yeah. Roasty. Um, exactly what you would expect out of your your breakfast coffee. Right, but it's but it's cold. Yeah. So it's got that like refreshing quality to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's light in color, so it's got that um, that quenchable quality yeah. to it. Just drinkable. Have you ever eaten a chocolate covered espresso bean? Espresso yes. bean. Yes, okay. I love them. It kind of gives that same taste, right? Mm-hmm. Where you crack yeah. it open, it's bitter, but then it it finishes. And you get the little bit of sweetness and stuff like that. This is one where you're like, okay, I'll have one more beer. Like this is a beer to end the night. Yeah, it's like okay, I got one that it's, it's, that's gonna surprise you. Yeah, it's it's um it's got yeah dessert like quality without being like heavy. It's not gonna weigh you down. Right, right. It does linger on the palate. It does hold a little bit longer than the other two beers. You mm-hmm. still taste that bitterness, that coffee note. You know, I expected good beer because their other beers have been good, but these three I think have really surprised me, and I think they've progressively um, gotten even better and better. This one's my favorite. Yeah, I mean this and is really cool. Now is a good time to to tell everybody we're not being paid. <laughs> Right by a bottle, like we went out to, we went out and bought these beers, and and these are just good beers. Yeah, it's not the best in that it's necessarily the one that you're going to drink the most of, but it's the one that has the most complexities, and it's the one that is surprising, and it's the one that really is where the brewers um, are actively showing off, but not in a in a pretentious sort of way. They're showing off in a way of saying like we can we can handle big flavors and we can handle balance and we can do it all. And that's really impressive when you have a brewery that can handle both. They can put out a beer like their lager that's drinkable, that anyone could like, that anyone could sit back and enjoy after mowing the lawn or after a hot day or hard work. And then they can also go out and get local coffee and make a golden stout and just just bring it. So it's time to head into the big bad of the non-con. And uh, Drew, I'm going to let you take it away with the introduction to, uh, well, you guys all know who. On September 18th, Nebraska will travel to Norman, Oklahoma to take on their former Big 12 rival, the Oklahoma Sooners, in what will be the final non-conference game. 
The game is scheduled for an 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox's Big Noon kickoff in order to ensure that I have a bad attitude for the rest of the day. The Oklahoma Sooners are led by head coach and renowned ruiner of brisket, uh, Lincoln Riley. He boasts a very impressive 45-8 record in his four years at Oklahoma, including four straight Big 12 titles. Prior to taking over as head coach, Riley served as offensive coordinator to big game Bob Stoops. Boomer Sooner is coming off a solid 9-2 2020 season where they won the Big 12 in a rematch with Iowa State and took home a sideways silver infinity symbol trophy for beating number 7 Florida in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Nebraska and Oklahoma's storied rivalry dates back to 1912, with Nebraska taking the first meeting by a score of 13-9. to Oklahoma owns the most recent meeting with a score of 23-20. to Oklahoma is also the leader in all-time matchups with a record against Nebraska of 45-38-3. Awesome. So you got a good true or false for me? I do. I've I got can't a doozy. Wait. Oh All right. man! All right, let's. That's see. so long. Let's. Nope. That's. Oh. That's a. Those are my game notes. All right. Oh okay. No, yeah. This one's longer. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Oklahoma Sooners. Here we go. Everyone knows that Oklahoma claims some all-time greats as former head coaches, including Benny Owen, Bud Wilkinson, Barry Switzer, and Bob Stoops. But Ben, did you know? <laughs> the first five coaches of Oklahoma football quit the profession and went on to become a lawyer, a surgeon, a gold prospector, a Pulitzer Prize winner in history, and a farmer who would sometimes return to play fullback for the big game. I feel like that's the most Midwestern village people <laughs> that you could have <laughs> described. <laughs> Um, again, I want this so bad to be true and you went true, false. So are you one of those that goes back to true or are you one of those that goes false? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. I'm going to make your day. That is totally true. Yes. 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 Right. Okay. This is incredible. So this all happened. Um, the first five coaches all coached before Oklahoma was even officially a state. Right. So that was the time that that we're, yeah, that we're dealing with. Um, these five coaches had a combined record of 27, 15, and five. So, um, they were not it's too not bad. bad, right? Like, yeah. um, they just all had other aspirations right. that they were, that they were, uh, you know, more keen on following. So, uh, good times, good times in Oklahoma. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad for Oklahoma's sake that they, that they eventually did find actual football coaches. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. True or False. False. Hold on. Oh, Let yeah. me ask the question. Am I right? No. Okay. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I got your game figured out. Oklahoma Stadium doubles as a pet cemetery. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Please. That's one where I want it to be false because that's... Too bad. No. <laughs> no. Really? True. Is it because of the horses? What? <laughs> You know, the horses that, that that draw the wagon? No, they don't bury those horses there. Okay. No. Are they cremated? No, this is actually, this is a nice story. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. cool. Let's hear it. So, this is true. Um, from 1915 to 1928, the problematically named Mex the Dog was tasked with keeping stray dogs off the field during football games. 
He was known for wearing a red sweater with a white O on the side and barking during games. He was well-loved by both the students and faculty at Oklahoma and would go as far as to travel with the team. Max died of old age on April 30th, 1928, and on May 2nd, 1928, Max uh, received a funeral that all good boys deserve. The university shut down for the service and a procession as Max was laid to rest in a small casket under the existing stadium. That's kind of sweet. It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On a separate note, it should be noted that Lincoln Riley has two dogs named Boomer and Sooner, but I edited his Wikipedia to read Sooner and Boomer because I thought that would annoy Oklahoma fans. Oh my God, that annoys me. Sooner Boomer. Sooner and Boomer. I know. I don't really like it either, but Uh I know there's other people out there who like it even less than I like it. Oh, that clunks off the tongue. It really does. Sooner Boomer. Sooner Boomer. Okay, so... Game thoughts. What are we thinking heading into Oklahoma? I mean, I'm I'm still in my I'm still in the it's preseason, right? It's it's I still have hope. Sure. Right? And that's what's so great about being a fan is that if I if I sit down and like start to look at things, I can convince myself that anything is possible. Sure. It's not too crazy to say that Nebraska could come away with a victory here. Um, but also it's probably it's probably not gonna happen. Because Oklahoma looks good. They do. And, you know, in years past, they have had kind of a little chink in their armor. And it's been their defense. Um, they've been in the Big 12. Defense hasn't necessarily been the name of the game for the Big 12. Um, it's it's more been an offensive conference. But this year, Oklahoma really seems to have their eyes on the prize for the football playoff, the college football playoff. And so they've really built a defense that they believe can compete and win on that front. And when Nebraska's coming in as a, as a team that struggled on offense and maybe succeeded in defense, this will be a real test for Nebraska's defense. Um, and the offense needs to show up. There's there's no question about it. Yeah. And Oklahoma's come a long way in the past couple of years. Um, so two years ago, before well, three years ago, before Alex Grinch took over as their D.C., they had historically the worst defense that they've ever had at Oklahoma, right, as far as st- statistics go. Um, and he's turned that around completely in two years. And not only has he turned it around, but looking forward, it's just going to get better from here. Sure. So that's what, that's kind of what what our offense is looking at down the pipe. Pike. Um, that's a scary thing. Yeah. So if you're going to find a weakness in Oklahoma, um, either defensive or off- offensive side of the ball, what are you looking at? I just think that the passing attack is going to be where Nebraska can maybe find some vulnerability. Oklahoma's DBs haven't been the best. Um, down the road so if Nebraska can take advantage of their new receiving core and maybe try and cut up those DBs uh, while they're still trying to figure their things out it could be a great um, confidence booster for Nebraska to be like hey our passing attack is really something we went up against a good team a great team in Oklahoma and we showed them our stuff Um, but I think that's about your only chance is you're you're hoping that your defense puts up one hell of a game and that your offense finally hits in the in scott frost year four the put up or shut up moment yeah i agree that's exactly what i was going to say is 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 this is where our wide receiver crew needs to be born right Right. or star this is the legend of the 2021 receiving team yeah yeah um it it lines up and in a way where like it could happen Mm -hmm. um but at the same time like oklahoma they don't have a ton of experience at the cornerback position they but they have two safeties that are i think are their seniors or super seniors who who, who can bring it um, and then they've got young guys who are chomping at the bit to really prove themselves at the at the corner so this is where we need our guys to step up and when we need that one thing that we f- we feel like we've been missing yeah to to come to fruition but Oklahoma is going to be a challenge and I think it's an opportunity to still continue to tune yourself up heading into big Ten play 
And even if you walk away with a loss, you can still come out with your head held high saying, hey, we, we went to battle. We went punch for punch with one of the probably the four teams that are going to be in the playoff at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big measuring stick moment, I think, for this team, right? Especially, not just this year, but probably Scott Frost's entire tenure just yeah. to kind of see like, like where we are. My, my goal is just cover. I mean, if we can get to a point to where we're covered, we haven't been in a big game where Nebraska covers. We've been embarrassed. And in, so in these, if we yeah. get to a game to where it's within a two touchdown margin of victory, man, you got to walk out of there feeling good. I, I haven't projected um, just as a way too early prediction, 38-23. Cool. We're like super like close to each other. I'm, I've got them at 37-21. Yeah. Do you see that your score like, is it? Are they always at arm's length, or is it like Oklahoma pulls away late? Yeah, Nebraska-Oklahoma might be a a two- or three-quarter game. I think Nebraska's defense is going to test Oklahoma, and I think Oklahoma is going to ultimately triumph, but I really think our defense is going to have one of those games where we go into Big Ten, the full season of Big Ten play, and we feel pretty damn good going into it with our defense. Um, I think the offense is probably going to get to the point to where Oklahoma's got some you know they've got a few games under their belt now it's time for them to cinch up they make their adjustments at half and we really see what this defense is and it's going to be a coming out game for Oklahoma as well for that defense so um, unfortunately I I see a loss here um, but I see good play hopefully from both sides of the ball all righty folks before we say goodbye we want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package including a game used nebraska football and local brewery swag for this week's entry email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with the name of the non-conference opponent you think nebraska will score the most points against fordham all right and remember that only (laughs) i just got that cool so there's your answer uh, remember, only one entry per episode, and you don't have to be correct to win. Fordham, and please make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry. All right, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And remember to do your part, drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries that you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com and submit your recommendation. We also want to take a second to shout out Bottle Rocket Brewing Company. They did not sponsor the episode. We picked this up on our own, but man, this is excellent beer. If you get the chance, please make sure to pick up um, a six pack of your own and tune in next week as we explore the liquid offerings of another Nebraska brewery and continue our 2021 season preview with Nebraska's Big Ten East opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.